Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. In that, um, just said it to Jordan as I walked by. Great songs today. If you didn't get a handout, you can throw your hand up uh, and they will get one for you. There was one line in there um, that says that at, through the death of Christ, I live. And, um, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of paradoxes in Christianity that um, death brings life, surrender brings freedom. Um, there's a lot of them. I've always thought about the opportunity to maybe do a series on that. So, um, but anyways, one of those is that your power to stand is not in your own power, but through the power of Jesus Christ, that through the death of Christ, you are made alive as a Christian. And so we've been really focusing on this idea of being unmovable, um, sometimes you hear people talk about um, having a word for the year. Um, you hear people say, well, my word for the year is discipline, or my word for the year is, which that lasts a week. <laughs> I'm changing words. <laughs> um, but you hear people say, well, my word for the year is uh, whatever, integrity or uh, discipline was, was probably, the, probably the best example that I could give. But for the last couple years as a church, we have tried to give a theme um, straight from Scripture. And so this year we've done 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse number 58, where it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Steadfast, unmovable. And so we talked really in uh, our first couple of weeks about the difference between those. What we talked about with unmovable is that it means that there's nothing from the outside that can change you. We, we live in a society that is pushing people to change. Um, no matter what area you look at it, there's people that are pushing different food standards uh, to change. There are people that are pushing different health standards to change. There's people that are trying to normalize things that are changes. And out of all of those things, you have to step back as a Christian and say, I am called to be unmovable. And when I talk about being unmovable, I'm not talking about being maybe stubborn to good change. What I'm talking about is that you can't let those things change who you are and who Christ has called you to be. And so we're going to close out uh, chapter number 15. The reason why we've been in chapter number 15 is if you look at the first word of that verse 58, let's say it out loud together. What is it? Therefore, okay, thank you, all two of you. Some of you are like, what are we talking about? Okay, the first word of verse number 58 is therefore. We've said this 20 times probably already in this series. When you see a therefore, you must see what it's... Hey, you got that fill in the blank. Perfect. So when he says therefore, he's, he's referring to something. He's saying that as a result of what I've just told you, you are called to be un. Movable. Well, what he's referring to is really these first 57 verses. And so we talked week one about the gospel makes you unmovable. You can find that in verses 1 through 11 of this passage. Then we talked about how the resurrection makes you unmovable. Then we talked about etern- how eternity makes you unmovable. 
And then we talked about how biblical principles make you unmovable, that when you step back and you look at the biblical way of living, it should lead you to be unmovable. And then we finished last week with how your future change or your future body should make you unmovable. And today, it's going to sound like one of those paradoxes, but we're going to talk about how heaven and death makes you unmovable, how heaven and death makes you unmovable. I'm going to go ahead and tell you that you're, and I tell you this sometimes just as a reminder, but your notes today, if you just write down the points, you're not going to understand, you're not going to be able to remember how this will help you, okay? So I'm going to encourage you that if you're taking some notes to maybe go a little bit deeper, put some thoughts underneath of it, and then we'll close with something that will hope you, hopefully help you uh, bring it all together and remember. And so verse number 51, we're going to read down through verse number 57, and then we'll go ahead and we'll read verse number 58 just as a reminder to ourselves of what we're focusing on this year. Verse number 51 says this, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. So he says this. He kind of gives a, a little bit of an of a um, of an opt out. Basically, he says we will all be changed one day in heaven, but that doesn't mean that we're all going to die. Okay, that means that we're not all going to die, but we're all going to be changed. We're all going to experience heaven in the same way, but that doesn't mean that we're all going to die. Why? Verse number fifty-two. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Verse number 52 that he just used is describing the rapture. And then he says this, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. Death is swallowed up in victory. Verse 55, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Verse number 57. Can you read verse number 57 out loud to get, uh, together with me? Ready, begin. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. He says, But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is bringing everything together. This is really the culmination of chapter number 15. He says, if you are going to be unmovable, if you are going to be steadfast in this world, it will be because you are focused on something that is not of this world. And so we're going to pray. We're going to dive right into points because I want to get to the conclusion to try to bring everything together for you that we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Let's go ahead and let's pray. We'll ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for everything you've given us. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to look into your word. God, I ask that you would be with me as I speak. Lord, give me the words to say. Lord, I pray that you would help me to be able to take these thoughts that sometimes sing, seem very high. Lord, sometimes they seem past our comprehension. And so because of that, they often seem hard to take and live out. But God, I know that you have the power to help us to be able to be unmovable as we focus on you and focus on what we have to come. In your name we pray. Amen. 
Um, I've pretty well exhaust, exhausted my introductory uh, illustrations with some of these thoughts, and so I'm not going to take a lot of time as far as trying to get you to buy in, because here's what I've kind of come to the conclusion um, as with this, with this series, come to the conclusion of with this series, is that many times when we think about heaven, we just think, well, that's just going to be... Like, I don't have to worry about that. I don't have to think about it. I'm saved. I've accepted Christ as my Savior. So heaven's there. And whenever I'm ready, whenever my time comes, I know that heaven's waiting on the other side for me. And there's comfort in that. But I also think that in some ways we've shortchanged heaven. We live with all these trials and all these difficulties and all these problems down here. And if heaven is just the next step in our life, just kind of the, the way of getting us out of this life, then we've really missed the point of it. And I think that if you look at Christians that have been successful over the years, when I say successful, I'm not referring to financial success. I'm not referring to relational success. I'm referring to when you look at Christians that have been unmovable, when you look at Christians who have successfully stood for what mattered, who have made an impact on eternity, who have seen other people maybe come to know the Lord as a result of their witness and as a result of their testimony. When you look at people like that, here's what I think that you have to say is they have a very real view of heaven. And one of the things that our generation struggles with is that we build out these life plans and we build out dreams and we have goals and we have visions that we want to accomplish on this earth, making it so that heaven does not seem that attractive to us. That if we got everything that we were wishing for down here, we almost in some ways would not need heaven other than the fact that it would solve our problem of the afterlife. One of the things that I'm learning and even trying to diagnose in my own life is this, is that as I begin to look forward more to heaven and eternity, all of a sudden the goals and dreams and visions that I have in this life begin to fade in importance. The, the priority, my priorities begin to change. All of a sudden, the things that I think are important, the things that I worry and maybe stress about or get frustrated about, those things begin to pale in comparison to what matters to God. And if we're going to step back and as a generation and as a class be unmovable, I can promise you this, that it won't be because we just start focusing on other things. It won't be because we learn how to handle stress differently. It won't be because we learn how to manage our finances differently. It will be because we step back and we look at this thing called heaven, we look at this thing called eternity, and we say, that has become my focus. That has become my driving force in this life. When my feet hit the floor, I'm not here to grab life for all it's worth down here. I'm here to live out my life in light of eternity and in light of what I know is going to come. And so that brings us to this first thought, and that is this, is that the rapture makes you unmovable. The rapture makes you unmovable. So he describes a scenario here. He says, we all have this, this opportunity to look forward to of being changed. But he says, we're not all going to die. He says, we will not all sleep. Well, how's that happen? Verse number 52, he uses the rapture. He says, in the moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the last trump for, or, uh, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. So he says, there is an opportunity for you to be rescued from this world at any given moment. So you say, okay, how does that make me unmovable? Let me give you an illustration that has really actually brought some context to me 
that I, I don't know that I've ever thought of as someone who's kind of been raised in church. But there's a man in our church that um, I was talking to him one day. I was talking to him at a basketball game. And I said, you know, I said, I don't know that I've ever heard really how you, you got here, you and your family got here. So he started going into some details, started going into when his family moved here. And, uh, and he goes, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you. And he was, he's a pretty blunt guy. He says, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you because when I started coming to church here, I did not like it. And I was like, oh. Uh, and he goes, my wife and my kids liked it. He says, it's a great place for our kids. And he said, I did not like it. He goes, I thought your dad talked about stuff he had no business talking about. He said, I thought that it was kind of one of the, he said, I had been a surface level Christian. He said, I was into things that he said, I knew did not glorify God. And he said, one day, he said, I, he said, every time that he would talk about it, he said, it, it made me upset. He said, but one day, your dad started talking about the rapture. And he said, he started talking about the instant that Jesus Christ could return. And he said, as I started looking at the things in my life that I knew, he said, I heard it. He said, I knew what the Bible said about it. He said, I just didn't want to change. He said, but in that moment, he said, the Holy Spirit convicted me. And he said, I asked myself a couple questions. He said, are the things that I am into right now things that I would want to be involved in if Jesus Christ were to return right now? That's powerful. That is something that for many of us, we don't even always think about. You know, sometimes we like to say, well, well, I'm just, there's grace there. I'm just going to struggle with this flesh. I'm just going to struggle with sin. I'm just going to struggle with whatever. I'm going to, like, that's just who I am. That's just how I live. That's just, that's just what I believe. There's no one that can change me. I have liberty. I have freedom. And you are 100% correct on all of the accounts. But let's ask a different question. Are the things that your life revolves around, are they things that you would want to be found doing when Jesus Christ returns? The Gospels are packed with parables of Jesus using the example of a, of a Lord or a Master who leaves and He gives the servants or those under Him responsibility and then He returns. And guess what? We all want to make fun of the servant who didn't do his job. Like, oh, that's the servant who, who you don't be like that last servant. Don't be like the guy who went and hid everything that he's got. Don't be like that guy who never did anything and never grew anything for God. But yet for many of us, we never even take into consideration in our own lives that there is a God, there is a command, there is a principle, there is a doctrine of Jesus Christ coming back one day to rapture those of us who are saved. And I don't know about you, but that should cause me to reevaluate what I'm doing in this life. Maybe it's not even something sinful. Maybe it's just the way that you're living. Maybe it's, the, maybe it's the things that you're focused on. Maybe it's the things that you're trying to build up. Maybe it's the things that you're trying to accumulate. What is it in your life that you would not want to be found doing when Jesus Christ returns? So the rapture makes you unmovable. But then notice, secondly, in verse number 55, he closes in verse number 54. He says, death is swallowed up in victory. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of exp explaining here, but the second thought is this, is that death makes you unmovable. Death makes you unmovable. You say, that does not seem to make sense. It does if we step back and we look at the way that Christians have the opportunity to die. You know, one of the things that is a blessing and a curse about working for a church is that, in a church especially this size and a church of maybe this age is that we have a lot of funerals around here. In fact, the other day, I, uh, we had a funeral 
we were getting ready to go somewhere as a family. I think we were going to, I think it was maybe when um, we were going up to watch the guys play in the state championship basketball game. We had a funeral, so I was in a suit and shirt and tie and all that, and we, I went to pick up Chick-fil-A to go, which don't ever do if you're in a hurry. That was the dumbest choice I've ever made in my life. I think I was like parked in front of Steak and Shake trying to wait on chicken nuggets or whatever. And so um, anyway, so I waited in line. And of course, Chick-fil-A is like the only place that's ever kind and friendly to you. So the guy comes up to the window and he's like, hey, you having a great day, sir? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like in a hurry, like, okay, no, no time for small talk. And so he hands me my bags. He's like, man, you're looking awful sharp today. He's like, what's the occasion? I was like, and I just kind of said it like, it's just a part of my life. So I just said, oh, it's for a funeral. And he like, held, he was like holding my bags out and he like dropped and he's like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, I was like, oh, and I didn't want to respond and be like, oh no, it's cool. Like I, so I was trying to work my words in the right way. So I was like, oh no, like it, it wasn't like me personally. I work for a church and, and so we have funerals a lot. I wasn't trying to make it sound like, oh no, it's cool. Like I work for a church. We, people die all the time. And so I was trying to be sensitive to it because I could tell it just like broke his heart. Like, like the bags like were lower. And so he was discouraged because, and so anyways, all that to say that the thing that I, I've come to step back and realize is that they are a part of our week-to-week schedule. But I can't tell you how many times I sit in a funeral and I maybe hear of someone, hear the story of someone that I, I've known all my life or that I've known at least since we moved here, and I hear their family stand up and talk about them. I, I hear their friends step up and talk about them. I, I hear maybe people that I have no clue who they are. I remember a couple years ago, we had a funeral, and I had never seen this before, but they actually had like almost an open mic to where they, all, they allotted close to 20, I think it was actually 30 minutes for people to come up and talk about how this person had had an impact on their life. And it wasn't just friends and family. It was coworkers. It was people that they had played, their kids had played sports together. And death, when you think about it, should not be something that we fear because according to Scripture, the sting of death, the hurt, the pain of death is taken away for the Christian. But I want you to listen to this. Even though the Christian misses the sting or the pain of death, it does not mean that they miss the effects of death on others. Even though we can miss the sting and pain of death, it does not mean that we miss out on the effects that death has on others. One of the things that, uh, that my children are starting to talk about right now is they're, they're starting to maybe hear of someone dying or they're starting to pay more attention to that kind of stuff. And one of the things that I try to reiterate to them is that if daddy or mommy or, or even you, if you know for sure you're on your way to heaven, if death happens, there's nothing that you can do about it. But I want you to see this, is there is something you can do with the life that you've been given. And I don't know about you, but when I die, I don't want people to talk about my accomplishments and maybe the things that I succeeded at. I want people to talk about what I did for them and how I made them feel and how I helped them and how I had an impact on them. And the only way that that happens is by stepping back and saying, I'm going to focus on eternity and what matters. I'm going to focus on what Jesus Christ has told me to do. And then the last thought is this, is that not only the rapture makes you unmovable, not only should death make you unmovable, but the victory should make you unmovable. In verse number 57, he says this, But thanks be to God, 
which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Did you know that it doesn't matter how many losses you take down here on this earth, you still have victory waiting for you in heaven? And sometimes I think that we don't take seriously enough the struggles that other people are having on this earth. You know, sometimes I get the opportunity to preach in high school chapel, and I notice one of the things that I talked about this uh, actually on Friday was how to know that God, how to know that God is with you. And that may seem insignificant to a seventh grader, but I watched some of the eyes of the kids in the room. And of course, in high school chapel, if you ever went to a Christian school, you know that there's about 50% that are listening. There's about 20% who act like they're listening. And there's about 3% who might actually be listening. Where the other ones fall, I don't know where. But I looked in the eyes of some of the kids as I talked about, you know, when you feel lonely, God is with you. And there's always going to be the little seventh grader in the back who's folding up a paper airplane who doesn't, care, doesn't feel lonely, doesn't care about anything. But there were some eyes of some kids that were stepping back and saying like, no, 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 I, I, that's where I'm at. And sometimes when you look at your life or maybe you look at the life of those around you, it feels like that all you do is lose. Man, I lost this person or I, I lost out on this. I lost out on this job offer. I lost out on maybe this relationship. I lost this. I, 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 I missed out on this opportunity. And it just seems like loss, 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 loss. And sometimes that's just life. But did you know that when you step back and you focus on heaven, that you have a guaranteed victory? I want to close out this series with this, with this song. I know this might be a little bit awkward because it's not a moving video. I tried to find a lyric video, but people don't always have those, okay? But this is a song by the Clark family, and they sang it at our church. I want you to listen to it. Can you turn it up a little bit? It's called Heaven in Your Heart.
there's a couple of lines in there that I wish you could just hang on to. He said, home is where your heart, I've heard it said, home is where your heart is. He said, that must be why I feel I don't belong here. Let me just challenge you that if you feel more comfortable here than you would in heaven, you've missed the point of Christianity. And so here's what I want to close with is just one simple thought. I want you to catch on to this because it really brings everything that this whole series talked about. Is sometimes we try to segregate and put into boxes eternity and reality. We say, well, eternity exists over here for when I need it, and my day-to-day, my reality exists over here. But all of a sudden, when you begin to allow eternity to impact your reality, it changes. And guess what? It is at that moment that when you begin to live with heaven in your heart, that you can step back and say, I'm living today for heaven. I'm not waking up today and living based on my reality. I'm not living and waking up today and I'm not going to be bitter over this and I'm not going to be angry over this and I'm not going to be stressed over this and I'm not going to worry over this because this is my reality and right now my reality stinks. But if heaven's in your heart, if eternity is in your heart, if all of a sudden you're looking forward to what is to come, then you can step back and your reality is actually based on eternity. And that's hard. That, that's rough. And, and yes, that's something that I should and could get angry about. But I've got heaven in my heart, so today I'm going to live like heaven matters more than my reality. I'm going to live in a way to where I'm focused on what's next and not what I'm facing right now. And as you do that, that's where you get to see God stabilize you. That's where you become unmovable. Because now the things of this life, the knobs that are constantly turning to try to change you and try to change who you are, aren't changing you because you were never meant for this life. Home is where your heart is. And if your heart's down here, guess what? You're going to ride the roller coaster of this life. It's going to be up and down, up and down. Good days are great, bad days are awful. But if heaven's in your heart and eternity is what you're focused on, you actually get an opportunity to become unmovable. And then the last thing I want to add is this, is that as you live that way, that's when your reality begins to impact eternity. That's when you get to act differently and people need to see that you're different, that you're not handling things the same way that they would. And you actually get an opportunity to impact the life after this. With every head bowed and every eye closed, we'll pray and we'll be done. Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at FRBC underscore Crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.